Welcome to episode 334 of Live Happy Now. We all know that love is important, but why is it sometimes so hard to love ourselves? I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week we're talking to Dr. Shana Ali, a mental health clinician and author who promotes a strengths-based approach to the journey of self-love. After writing a workbook for adults and a guide on self-love for teens, she's now written the children's book, Luna Finds Love Everywhere, a self-love book for kids. It's designed to help children explore the principles of self-love in their own lives, and it has a great message for parents, too. So let's find out more. Dr. Shana, welcome to Live Happy Now. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Well, I'm excited to chat with you as well. And we have a lot of ground to cover because we're here to talk about your book, but this is a bigger topic of self-love. So I want to, before we get to your adorable book, I want to talk about how, you know, you've really embraced this message of self-love and I wanted to find out where that comes from. What made you so interested in, in studying that? Mm, Great question. And first of all, thank you for your kind comments about the book. Stepping back, you're right. I really have embraced this notion of self-love because it has been such a prominent theme. First of all, in my personal life throughout the years, I didn't even know it was a theme back then, but in my world as a mental health counselor, educator, and advocate, while I have the luxury of working with so many courageous individuals and from unique paths and unique issues, something I noticed that was a common thread was that everyone could use a little bit more self-love. So regardless of diagnosis, regardless of background, this was a key thread. And that's what brought me to the self-love workbook and hoping that I can help with more of a practical guide to this concept that we all need. And the most common feedback that I got at the time from the first workbook was, I really wish I learned this sooner. And that was something that resonated with me. I wish I learned it sooner too. (laughs) It kind of cascaded from there, Paul, I have to tell you, it went, that's what caused the self-love workbook for teens. And then the same feedback, I wish I learned this sooner. And I'm like, well, how soon can I teach? (laughs) (laughs) And that's what's terrific because it does this, your book really does speak to children, but I think too, when we talk about self-love, people don't always know what we mean because especially as adults, if we're not taught the idea of self-love, it's like, well, yeah, I love myself. So, <laughs> so what can you tell me? What does self-love look like in action? That's such a great question. And I always answer this with hesitance because while I have spent a lot of time in this domain, I really do believe that self-love is super subjective. So I'll share a little bit about what it seems like for me and what it seemed like for a lot of people. But I wanted to give that asterisk because someone listening in might be like, okay, I'm not sure if that exactly fits. And that's okay. I want to warn that that's totally okay. You just need to think about whatever the definition is for you, right? So personally, even working from my own definition, I see self-love as the active practice of accepting, caring for, and honoring oneself. And that comes in various forms. And that's where my model of the seven segments of self-love comes from self-awareness, self-exploration, self-care, self-esteem, self-kindness, self-respect, and self-growth. 
So with all of those seven segments, there are lots of tangible ways that it can look, right? It can look like confidently pursuing your dreams, being courageous to set an important boundary. It can look like a parent who knows that they're struggling with their self-love and they want to start to break that generational cycle for their child. So there are many forms, and I actually find that to be an exciting opportunity to realize how many different ways self-love can surface in our lives. And how you mentioned that self-care is part of that, but how is it kind of different from self-care? Yeah. And I love being able to defragment this because I know some folks see they're the same and I really don't. I see self-love as the wider, all-encompassing concept. And like I mentioned, self-care is one out of seven other segments that I've noticed in terms of self-love. And self-care has become this buzzword. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's a marketing scheme, right? You know, <laughs> buy the shoes and gosh, sometimes I fall for it. <laughs> sometimes it is buy the shoes, but sometimes it's much more. And I've noticed, especially in my practice, there are people who are well-intentioned, wanting to get healthy, who invest in self-care, which are more of the tangible behaviors that you do in recognizing your needs in the current context. If you are doing those behaviors and they're still falling flat and you are starting to run low on resources, time, energy, and you're burning out and getting nice and crispy, it's, well, what's going on here? I'm really trying my best and it's falling flat. That's because self-care is just one of the segments. So if you're investing in yourself, but you don't believe in yourself, you're not kind to yourself, you don't respect yourself. I have to say that a lot of times those efforts will fall short. That's so interesting. And I, I've never heard it put quite that way. That's really beautiful and eye-opening because self-love plays a real strong role in our mental health, but we tend to overlook that, I think. So can you talk about, from a mental health standpoint, why it's so important and what it does and doesn't do? Sure. And because it's so subjective, I will always start with the caveat of depending on what it means for you is that's how it's going to affect your wellness, right? Mm -hmm. I do see that, especially in my practice, but also personally, I operate for more of an integrative model. So I see wellness as broader than just physical well-being. Of course, you've noted mental, but I would even venture out to include some other aspects like nutritional, social, digital, right? So when your self-love is honed in, notice I said honed in, that means you are paying attention to it, trying your best to invest in it, not ignoring it, not perfect by any means, but honing in, then you tend to be more well in the domains that are important to you. Self-love keeps you more aware, attuned, and aligned, so you're less likely to go off and practice unwellness. And even if you do tend to veer off into that path, self-love is that conscious, humble awareness that helps you to kind of recalibrate and come to the middle path. So in terms of mental wellness, a lot of times that looks like the big foundational first step that helps me to work with clients, whether it's anxiety, trauma, depression, what have you. And that kind of takes me back to where it all came from. I noticed that no matter what I was working with, with whomever, self-love was that missing cornerstone. That's so interesting, you know, because so many aspects of our mental health have declined in the past year and a half. 
Mm. And that's been widely reported. So have you seen that with self-love? Is that diminished or have people had time to kind of work on that with this time away? I would like to believe the latter, but that also does validate the former. So you're right. In the past year and a half, it has been a reckoning for lots of folks. We've known that mental health, it has been We've made lots of strides there. Don't get me wrong. We still still have room for growth. But what I do love in the strides that we have made is that mental health awareness, I think, is stronger than ever before. And people are seeing mental health more as mental wellness than mental illness than ever before. And I think this past year and a half gave lots of folks an unfortunate opportunity to really come to grips with your own mental well-being. I think, I I don't know about you, but I don't know anyone who wasn't challenged in some way in terms of correct. Yeah. So it's that it's, you know, if we're getting by, we can really overlook self-love and mental health at large, but when times are tough, it really causes you to emphasize, you know, why is this challenging? What is going on? What can I fix? And sometimes it starts with self-love and I, I would even say lots of the time, but it does start with self-love. Yeah. And and your books give such a wonderful roadmap for discovering it. And you mentioned earlier that you, that this new book came because, well, you did the first one for adults and then they wanted it for teenagers and you did that and then they wanted it for children. And so how did you go about teaching this for children? Like, how did you put this in a frame and say, all right, these are the components and this is how I'm going to share it. Mm, Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. I spent so much time thinking about what really looks different because I was kind of in a conundrum of, is it that it looks different in terms of self-love in children or I'm just kind of convincing myself that it's different, (laughs) right? Of course, that a three-year-old understands some really, really rudimentary concepts of math as they're starting to learn to count, but we don't expect them to understand calculus, right? Right. I'm thinking is, does that mean they don't understand it or they understand for their ability level? So there are a few takeaways as I was doing that reflection and trying to figure out how do we teach it sooner? And something I realized is that children, we actually spend a lot of time investing love in them most of the time, right? I'm sure everyone listening thinks about a child in their life and think, I've really invested a lot of love. I encourage them. I show them how much I care. I, all of these wonderful things. And it's great. Over time, it tends to dissipate. And only really as adults, do we make the distinction, sometimes teens, but do we make the distinction between love for self versus love for others? Mm. As a child, it's all one beautiful, big concept. So that's kind of where Luna finds love everywhere comes from is that they probably already know about love before they pick up the book. And I I'm willing to bet they do, but then it emphasizes more of these concepts of self-love that translate to love for the self and others too, whether it is a family member, a friend, or your wider community. So that's pretty much where that comes from. And I have to say, I think that children pick up self-love much faster than adults too. Yeah. They seem to be better at a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so true. It really is. And that was part of why I really took that feedback to heart, even starting from the original self-love workbook, because I agree, you know, I, I was a child that took things better. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in trying to deconstruct that, the notion is instead of having to work with an adult, let's use for my example here in counseling, who is having to unlearn what they have learned in order to relearn something, which is much, much easier said than done. What if we just implanted that as a foundational concept so early before it's hard? Mm -hmm. That's such a great approach. And it's so important and, and more essential now more than ever, I would say, with so much negativity and so many messages coming at us all the time. Can you tell us a little bit about the storyline? Tell our listeners really what this story is all about. Sure. Well, Luna Finds Love Everywhere follows along the character of Luna, who is going through her usual day. So it's important to keep in mind that while this book could help a child who's older than five, it's really gauged towards three to five, foundational, foundational self-love. So as she goes throughout her day, she experiences different trials and tribulations, simple ones to us as an adult, but big things that would rock the world of a little one. And throughout the day, she experiences opportunities to practice self-love in the different forms that I had mentioned earlier in the self-love segments. So it's a really traditional day. Now, what's important to know as the reader looking through this book, especially the adult reader, I should clarify, <laughs> is there are prompts that will help you kind of foster that conversation and lesson of self-love. So the child is just learning about someone's day, little Luna, but the adult might be able to see some of these concepts being moved further. There are prompts to help connect with the child, but it's really intended to be a foundational tool that can be referred to. So for example, there are strategies that are used in the book, such as bubble breathing for when you get overwhelmed, that you can learn from reading the book and covering that with a child, but also you can implement it when there is a similar parallel in your day-to-day -day life as well. So it's intended to be the foundation to kind of set up those models of self-love, but also to help you model those behaviors as an adult and help the child implement it in their world as well. And that's what really struck me with this book is how it's for children and it's obviously going to give them a set of tools that we have not even thought to give our kids so far. But also it's really teaching the adult, the parent, teenager, whoever is reading it to them as they go through it as well. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, I'm always so cautious about giving that age range because while that is whom the book was targeted for, because self-love is something that is often overlooked and it's not something that every parent or grandparent or any adult caretaker thinks to infuse in a child conscientiously, it doesn't mean that it's inappropriate for an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, or even the adult reader. So it can be a really simplified version to help you also self-assess. And that's something that I strongly encourage for the adult reader who is helping the child. 
Because while the book is well intended to be a resource for self-love, it is really about the practice, right? So for example, there's a scene about mealtime, right? And like you mentioned, we get a lot from all sorts of places about, you know, diet culture and what is healthy and what is nutritious and all of that. And you can have a scenario in which the book is being read, but that work is being undone by, let's say, a parent making harmful comments about their body in front of the Mm -hmm. child. So keep that in mind as well, that the book can also serve as a self-assessment tool for anyone of any age, really. And as a a clinician, and you see the end result of people not having Mm. practiced self-love, what do you think this is going to do in terms of changing outcomes when children do start learning self-love at such a young age and practicing it their entire lives? Because that's something we haven't seen. Like, I'm sure there are some people that have happened. (laughs) Overall, though, this is pretty new territory for a way of raising children. So how is that going to change what that adult life looks like? I appreciate you mentioning that because self-love, while it may have had a recent revival, especially in the concept of self-care, it's an old term, but a lot of times it's been misinterpreted as, you know, something that's selfish or sinful, and it's been really associated with adults. So it does feel novel to try to introduce it really early in life. I of course, would humbly acknowledge I have no idea of what the outcome would be, (laughs) but I would say I am really, really hopeful that this makes a tremendous impact in at least one person's life in terms of knowing that this is a crucial foundation for well-being and that if it is fostered, not just as a five-year-old, but for the years to come, that it would help that individual, hopefully more than one, lead a happier, healthier life. And how will it help in this age of social media where I see so many stories about kids feeling bad about themselves? I mean, to the point of suicide and just because of the images and the messaging that they are receiving online. So how can self-love be used as a tool that kind of offsets all of that messaging? Absolutely. So self, and of course, to think about the digital aspect, I will even highlight, is not addressed in Luna because she's so young. Right. Let's hope and she I, doesn't have a screen yet. And I, 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 that was my hope was to kind of model that Luna is enjoying her day without a screen. So just even to set that in there. But, you know, if we go towards like the self-love workbook for teens, that's addressed, for example, because it is prominent and there's a big influence there. You know, the research is kind of spotty on that to date to show that it really depends on how the media is being used. And that's the type of effect it will have. Right. So if the media is genuinely being used for connection, it could potentially have a positive effect, Mm -hmm. say for someone who's in a rural area and who needs to connect with someone who feels similar to themselves, but wouldn't have that otherwise, right? That's a beautiful thing. So I wanted to highlight that there are some positive emphasis points to digital media, but the aspect is that it has done a lot of harm and we are not paying a lot of attention to digital wellness which takes me back to the general idea that self-love when it's truly invested can help you in any domain of wellness, such as digital wellness. So for example, the individual would be able to practice better boundaries, would not be able to have that, or would be able to stop the endless scroll, 
right? That gratification that's sought externally will, that locus of control will be pulled in so it can be internally. The self-esteem that is constantly skewed, whether it's looking at someone else or a filter or what have you, that would be honed more from the inside out. So there are lots of seeds to be planted in self-love that could do us some real good in terms of young people, but adults too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because adults, I mean, we've got all our stuff still from high school left over. We're dragging it around still. Sure, sure. And I, I'll say, I know I was mentioning that Luna could help for any age, but sometimes I've thought about using that a lot in terms of inner child work, right? Because we all have right. that child yeah. in somewhere. And, you know, a lot of folks I know have shared with me resonate with like, I didn't learn it then. I learned a lot about love. I didn't learn about self-love and gee, would my life have been different if I had a book to help me, right? Or someone to teach me that lesson. So that is something I think about a lot because adults could really use Luna. I'm really thinking yeah. so. We all need a little Luna in our lives. <laughs> Running around the house, showing us. Yeah. <laughs> I think we do. But, so as parents listen to this or, or anyone listens to this, how do you go about starting that practice of self-love and build it into an actual practice. So it's something that you're reinforcing every day because we know our negativity bias is going to kick in and start tearing us down pretty quickly. So how do we do this? So true. There are a lot of different angles. So something I'll share, I'll share a little bit about the approach that I generally try to use with folks. It goes right back to that definition method first that I mentioned. Because it's so subjective, we have to know what it means for us. Once we know that, then that will cue us into what matters. That's usually where I start. From there, I acknowledge that you know self-love can be this really cloudy concept of where do I start? How do I make it practical? And again, that's where the self-love workbook came from. But I encourage individuals to at least start, if they're not using the workbook, with the seven segments, self-awareness, self-exploration, self-care, self-kindness, self-esteem, self-respect, and self-growth. Even doing a personal assessment in these areas looking at both, where do you already have strengths? And then the opposite end, where do you have opportunities to grow in each domain? That can help you set your sights. That is your destination. And it is a lifelong journey, but that's at least a helpful way to start. I do think the workbook helps. I also have noticed for parents and caretakers that having someone to care for can actually help motivate you to practice self-love. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's counterintuitive because a lot of times people think, how are you going to get me? Like, I'm a mom with three to 10 kids and I'm like, <laughs> How am I going to find the time? And listen, I'm a mom, I get it. But if we can just shift that notion a little bit, it's not that we're taking time from someone else or energy from someone else. The idea is that you're investing in yourself in order to be better, to better help whomever, whether it's your child, your partner, a student, what have you. So making sure that you start with you is the best way that you can better help a child, but also it's really beautiful when you can work on it in tandem 
too. So I hope that everyone who may consider finding the book, Luna Finds Love Everywhere, and incorporating it for a little one in their life will also do the work with them because that's a beautiful way to model that loving oneself can help you better love someone else too. So well said. This is so fantastic. When we, on our landing page, we're going to give the listeners, we'll give them a link to Luna and we'll also give them a link to your other two books if they have other children or if they want to explore it themselves, they can, we're going to hit all the ages here. (laughs) And as we let you go, what is the the one piece of advice that you really hope is ringing in everybody's ears as, as we sign off? I think the one thing that resonates with me always when I'm talking, especially about self-care in children, is the best way you can teach a child to love themselves is to start also with making sure that you find a way to love you too. And that can be difficult, but well worth it. Absolutely. Dr. Shana, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. It's a delightful book, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it starts changing these children that we're raising. Thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate your kind and optimistic words about Luna Finds Love Everywhere. That was Dr. Shana Ali talking with me about her children's book, Luna Finds Love Everywhere, a self-love book for kids. If you'd like to learn more about any of her books or follow Dr. Shana on social media, visit our website at livehappynow.com and follow the links. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.